Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. The title of today's message is Again I Say Rejoice. Come on, say it with me on the count of three. Rejoice. One, two, three. Rejoice. There we go. A little crowd participation. I grew up in a private Christian school, and so there was this song that we used to sing all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 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 Again, I say rejoice. That was a song that we sang at chapel as a little kindergartner. And man, as a 35-year-old, I'm remembering how powerful it can be in my life to simply rejoice. Can I encourage you today that there may not be a solution to your problems right away, but I know that there is something that you can surrender to that will help you get through your problems, and that surrenderance is a saying, even in this moment, God, I rejoice because you're here, and you're with me, and you're helping me. In Hebrews 12, 28, here's what it says. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is what? Unshakable. I like being unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. To give you some context, the book of Hebrews was written to people who were being persecuted, who were being punished for believing in Jesus, who were going through a difficult season. And the writer of Hebrews writes to their people and says, hey, don't forget this. I always have to make sure that my wife, Adrienne, texts me the grocery list when I go to Publix because there's gonna be one thing that I forget. And usually it's like the most important thing. Like the whole reason I went, I forget as soon as I get there, right? Like the whole reason I went to the grocery store was for this one thing and you see the BOGOs and you see the other stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, I got all the way home and didn't even get the one thing I left for, right? Well, maybe you came in here looking for something that you can stand on. Can I remind you what God has put on the list that all you gotta do is grab a hold of is that you are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, that cannot be moved by worldly problems that you can stand on today. And what's the response? We please God by worshiping him. Write this down for me. You see, a deep dive life knows worship is the most valuable thing we do. If I, if I could give you the key to, keep, to, to keeping going through the difficult and the good seasons of your life, it's worship. And that may be a spiritual word for you, but I would practicalize it to your life to tell you that everybody worships something in here. Whether we worship our social media pages or worship ourselves or worship our success or worship our appearance or worship our relationships, we all worship something which means that we hold it in very high level of importance and we navigate and direct our life around it. Well, let me tell you, the only thing that responds to your worship is God. The only thing that actually receives your worship and begins to do something is Jesus. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer that says this, without worship, we go about miserable. I don't know about you, I've never woken up in the morning and been, man, today's gonna be miserable and I cannot wait. Without worship, without something bigger than ourselves, we go through this life miserable. Before I pray and step into the heart of the message, I want you to know that this even science backs this up because you and I, one of the things that separates us from the animals is that we are created and we are designed biologically and psychologically as an open loop creature. 
which means that we are designed to experience and know something bigger than ourselves. Animals are closed loop, meaning they get hungry, they eat, they wanna do things, they do it, they just are totally led by their instincts, right? If you have a pet, you know this. But as a human, we have choices. As a human, we have relationships. As a human, we have something bigger about ourselves that keeps our mind wondering about, is there more out there? Is there more for my, for my life? Is God really real? And I would encourage you, he is. And whatever brought you into this place is testament to that. So let me pray for you. Let's jump into this and let's have some fun today. Father, I'm so thankful for every person in this room. I'm so thankful that we can worship you. And just as we sang today, you are truly a great God. And Father, I pray for all of us that whatever we walked in here today with, we would just take a deep breath from and listen and lean into what you have to say. God, be with us in this room. Be with all our incredible local city kids and teachers as they learn about worship and learn about Jesus. Pray that you would be with us today and truly speak to us individually in this room. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. We all say, come on, give me a good amen, local city. And give me a good shout and clap for everybody watching for Local City Church online today. So glad you're with us. If you're watching right now from home or if you're watching on demand, we are so glad that you're here. Well, I believe that this idea of worship and this idea of rejoicing, again, I say rejoicing, really can unlock some new things in our life. But sometimes things being unlocked is not a good idea. I don't know about if you've ever left your house and forgotten to unlock the front door and you go back in and you're like, oh man, totally forgot to lock up what's prized to me, what's important to me. I remember a friend telling me uh, years ago, he was living in an apartment and uh, he had a car that had one of those keyless, well, they're all keyless now. I actually just, you know, got, got upgraded to that finally, got the little push button in our car. I feel like a million bucks, it's awesome. Uh, but he, he had one of those, and at one point at night, his car got broken into in his apartment complex and took all his money out. It's always funny, I, I live in a neighborhood where uh, I'm on the community boards, and people are always like, my car got broken into, and they took all my stuff. And there's always someone, if I were to participate in those comments, I would as well. There's always someone that says, well, did you lock your car? And they're like, no. Well, I mean, you kind of invited it in, right? Like, I mean, people just might by walk by and check the door handle, and hey, if it's unlocked, you kind of created an opportunity for them. But anyway, my friend, he was a very responsible guy, so he locked his car, but he woke up to his car had been not really broken into, but it seems like they just opened the door and rustled through everything, and, and he had no idea how it happened, and, and he called the cops to come and kind of take inventory and maybe get a police report to go find his stuff. And as he was filling out the report with the police officer, the, the officer said, hey, I have to ask you a question. This is your car, right? Can I see your key? And he showed him how it's like the little key that's the push button to start and unlock and everything. And he said, let me ask you a question. Where is your apartment? And he said, it's, oh, that one right there. And actually, that's my room right there. And, I, and my parking spot is right in front of my room window. And he said, do you keep your car key in your room? And he said, yes. And he said, well, don't do that anymore because it's within the proximity of where your car is parked. And so all someone has to do is walk up and put their finger on the thing and they can open it up because the car thinks that what's supposed to unlock it is closer and in the hands of the person that it's, trust, that it's entrusted to. See, proximity creates a lot of problems in our life or a lot of power in our life. And worship is all about realizing that the things that are close to me will unlock some things in me. Think about it with the key sense. If you keep things close to you, 
whether it's people, whether it's habits that unlock insecurity and anger and depression and fear in your life or pride in your life, that's what's going to come out. But if you keep things close to you and in close proximity to you, that unlike who you really are, who God created you to be, a person of humility and excitement and passion and joy and servanthood for those around you, then that's what's going to be unlocked. See, we are creatures that worship. We are creatures that have things unlocked in us that become bigger than us. And this goes back to the beginning of creation. If you're ever frustrated about why worship seems so important, it's because it starts from the very beginning. In Psalm 150, verse 6, it says this, Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everyone, take a breath for me. We all breathe. If you're not breathing, we got to do something. Somebody call 911, right? Like, we all breathe. And in the very beginning of our creation, God formed us from the dust of the earth and then breathed life into us. So we have to understand three very key things before we have a conversation about worship. Number one is, let everything that breathes, you breathe, so that means that God made us from him. Without the breath of God, we'd still just be the dust and dirt on the ground, formed into a human shape, but no life inside of us. Everything started from the breath of God. Everything started from him breathing life into us. He is our source. I don't know if you've ever plugged your phone in at night and gone to bed and then woken up to your phone being dead and realizing that, yes, it was plugged in here, but the source where it really needed to be plugged into, the wall or the outlet, had come undone and you didn't realize it. And so you maybe spent a lot of time plugged in and doing the thing you thought was going to help, but you wake up emptier and drained more than you were before. Why? Because we have forgotten to plug ourselves into the source. What is our source? That we were made from God. Number two is, God made us to be with him. This might be the biggest hurdle a lot of us have to jump, depending on how we grew up in what religious tradition, or maybe without one at all, is to have this understanding that God made us to be in a relationship with him. That God wants to actually know you. That God wants to actually kind of talk to you about your day. And I know sometimes that feels like the you know, mom asking you in middle school, how was your day? Fine, right? But God actually wants to know. He wants to be clued in on what's going on in your life. He wants to get connected to the things that matter to you. And we want to model that as a church because we realize that Sunday and church is not just about these 60 minutes that we have together. It's also about walking through life with each other because we know that we're walking through life with God as well. I've been able to go to the gym uh, with a couple guys from church uh, once a week, and man, it's a hard workout, but the only way I get through it is because I'm with them. If I were trying to do it on my own, I would, I would give up before it started. But when there's people with me, like saying, come on, keep going, come on, you can do this, your form's bad, bro, fix it, like I need that in my life, and so do you. And so not only do we need to know that God is with us, we need to know that his people are with us. And just to keep you clued in on what's going on, I always like to remind ourselves some of the value things we do at Local City. One of those things that we do is called circles, which are our small groups, where we move from rows on a Sunday to circles during the week. And in fall, our circle semester is coming back. But if you want to lead a circle, text, local, text circle to 97,000. Maybe you want to lead some sort of recreational group or Bible study group. We need it because people need each other, and we need to know that God is with us, and we're with and for each other. 
Because what I love about circles is you get to experience number three together, which is that God made us to express love to him. God made us to express love and experience him. Maybe you grew up believing this, or maybe you even believe this now, that God is at a distance with his arms crossed, wanting nothing to do with you. But in actuality, God's posture towards you is one of, I can't wait to know you more with open heart and open arms. Because that's the posture of a good heavenly father. And what I want to do today is give you some statements that I believe will encourage you and take you to that next level, that can take you to that deep dive in your faith, that God made us to express love to him, God made us to be with him, and God made us from him. So what do we do now? What's the next step? Well, one of the things is, is to realize that worship is one of the things that can become so valuable and so powerful to us. I love this other quote by A.W. Tozer that'll be on the screen. It says this, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. And just so you know, Worship is what we're going to be doing for eternity. To those of us who call ourselves believers and followers of Jesus, it's all we're doing. It's like, it's like going to Disney World and being mad that you may have to wait in line. That's kind of one of the reasons you're going, right? Like you're going to have to wait in line to do the fun stuff. When it comes to heaven, we don't have to wait in line for it, but it is going to be the main thing that we're doing. So let me give you some really encouraging things today. These are specific statements that I wrote down in my journal that I really pray will help you. And here's number one. A worshiper knows that you cannot hurt someone who has the hope of heaven. I would say it this way, is that a worshiper, which is what I pray for all of you here in this place, a worshiper knows that you cannot, that the world cannot hurt someone who has the hope of heaven. The world cannot take something from you that it did not give you. The world did not give you life, God did. The world did not give you purpose, God did. And so when we begin to touch the things of heaven in our personal worship, in our corporate worship, we begin to realize that maybe these things that we thought were so powerful over us actually have no power at all. You cannot hurt someone who has the hope of heaven. Let me just give you a testimony from someone in the Bible. In Philippians 1.21, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, one of the most incredible leaders in out, throughout Scripture, used to kill Christians. Then Jesus showed up in his life, and then he built churches and did whatever he could to spread the message of Jesus. He says, for me, living means living for Christ. And you know what? Dying is even better. Whoa! That's some weighty stuff. But if you, when, you, when you realize where Paul was writing this from, you realize, man, this guy knew what it was all about. He writes Philippians from a jail cell, a place that might defeat a lot of us, may get us a little discouraged. But Paul writes these books from prison, and he writes this. And if you know anything about Paul, which I kind of love this, I love that at this point in Paul's life, he's an old guy. I always tell you I can't wait to get old because I just feel like being old, you can just be authentically yourself. And the response is, well, he's just old. It's okay. He can be that way, right? <laughs> like, I'm looking forward to that. But Paul's an old guy. He's an angry guy. He's doing whatever it takes to build the church, and he's dealing with all these church issues because people are messed up and people aren't perfect. And so he's in prison writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And if you don't know anything about Paul, again, he was old, meaning that he couldn't see, so he couldn't write, so a lot of times he was audibly dictating this out to one of his disciples to write this down. So I can imagine, again, I love old guy humor as well, 
old Paul sitting in there, chained up against the prison cell wall. The guards thinking they've defeated him. The guards thinking that they've won. And out loud, he's saying, you know what? I'm alive, which means I'm living for Christ, and this is great. But even if they kill me, it's even better. Imagine being that prison guard, and you have to take that back to your superior officer. And you're like, and the superior officer's like, hey, what are we doing with that Paul guy? He's an enemy of the state. He's saying these things that are, we do not trust, we do not believe in. They said, well, let me just tell you, sir, um, he's really excited that he's in prison. He's really excited that he gets to write all these letters, and I don't know what to do. He's just, he's like so excited. We've chained him up against the wall. Okay, well, all right, all right, well, we'll just kill him. Well, sir, um, about that, I was just down there, and he was like, he was really excited about living in prison and, and writing these letters, but then he also said that if we kill him, it's even better. And so the superior officer is like, I don't know what to do. And the guy's like, I don't know either. Maybe we should just listen to him, right? But Paul, in a sense, was like, awesome. If you, if you kill me, I get to be with Jesus. If you don't, I get to keep telling people about Jesus. Because Paul knew that the threat of heaven earlier is not a threat at all. Because that's what we're living for, to be in eternity with Jesus and to bring as many people as we can with us. We can be excited about that. I actually need you to be excited about that because what are you going to do when you're, cha- when you're chained to the prison cell of your issues, of your things? What are you going to do when the door seems to have shut on your life when it comes to freedom? Are we just going to mope and say, oh, well, no, no, no. Everything that breathes sings praises to God. So while there is breath in my lungs, I'm going to worship. And if something happens to me out of my control or my life is taken from me, immediately I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. And you know what I'm going to be doing? Worshiping. So why don't I just worship now? Why don't I just get a taste of heaven in my life now? Why don't I just stand on the truth that the world cannot hurt me when I have the hope of heaven inside of me and that hope is not an emotion or a feeling or something I'm chasing. It is a person that has a name and that name is Jesus. And when I say, Jesus, I need you right now, he's here ready to go and strengthen and breathe fresh life into me. Anytime I talk about worship, I use this quote because I believe it's something we all need to hear because you will hear this and maybe your response is, well, I just don't feel like living that way right now. You don't know what's going on. I don't feel like it right now. Let me just let this quote speak to you. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. Worship does not satisfy our hunger for God. It whets our appetite. Feelings are great liars. Give me an amen if you know that to be true. If Christians worshiped only when they felt like it, there would be precious little worship. It's a quote from Eugene Peterson who wrote the message translation of the Bible, which if you're looking for a translation that's easy to read, grab a hold of that one. But I love what it says there. If we do this when we only feel like it, then it's gonna be so insignificant. Because to do something great requires cost. To do something that can change your life requires decision. So again, that's the foundation, knowing that the earth cannot hurt me when I have the hope of heaven. But let me give you some true news. Is that God, a worshiper knows that God sometimes comes through on earth. But he always comes through in heaven. See, maybe you're in this place and you have a fear of a past prayer that didn't get answered. 
or you have a situation in your life that you're remembering going back to and saying, why would God have done that? Why did God allow that to happen? And I honestly, I don't know if I have an answer for you other than this quote that I wrote down myself in my Bible, is that God sometimes is going to come through on earth. Sometimes he won't because his plan is better than ours. Sometimes just because we live in a broken world. But I like to lean into the always. I'm I'm an always guy. So where's the always? That he'll always come through in heaven. Let me give you a story. Then I'll share with you a verse. Um, So a lot of you guys know my testimony about losing losing my dad at an early age. Um, there's some pieces of that story that I think are really, imper- really important to this, this concept is um, when Adrian and I got engaged, um, we got engaged and we had a little family party together uh, to celebrate that we had gotten engaged and um, we were celebrating and having a good time and my family was asking questions about the wedding. You know, I mean, you know, if you've been married, you know, when is this happening? Hey, can we just like slow down and celebrate just for a moment here? And I remember my aunt asked me this question, hey, who is, who's going to be your best man? And she had no idea that I was going to ask my dad to be my best man for our wedding. And so I remember uh, her saying that, and immediately I was angry. (laughs) I was really disappointed because I'm like a person that likes to do big things for big moments like that, right? Like my wife, Adrienne, is still, like she loved it, but she's still a little bit mad at me about the way that I proposed to her because it was like such a surprise that she didn't get to get her nails done. She wasn't, she was like dressed in like, you know, leggings and a big shirt because it was such a big surprise. And she was like, I look like not that great. And those pictures, oh, you look beautiful, honey, come on. But still there's a little bit, it was too much of a surprise, too much of a big thing, had fireworks going off, all this big stuff. I like that kind of stuff. I like a kickoff. I like a big surprise. I like a big event, right? And so I was prepared to ask my dad, like he went to Florida State, I went to Florida State, like maybe at a Florida State game, put it up on the screen, do something special, something big, significant, and memorable. I did not mean to tell him at Chili's in the little break room with my family in that small little moment, right? And so I didn't know what to do, so I just kind of looked over, put my hand on my dad's shoulder, and said, well, Dad, I was going to ask you. And I was kind of bummed, but I know it meant a lot to him. You know, I didn't know. That was a, mo- a month later, my dad was going to die. And I was planning it for months later to do the big thing, but he never would have known that I wanted that. He never would have experienced that. And we can get so mad that it didn't happen the way we want that we forget, well, hey, I had to do something a little smaller and something that made you frustrated, but actually so it could happen in the way that I knew it needed to happen. And then you, a lot of you know my story that if you want to talk about prayers not getting answered, I kind of I have one of the, a big one <laughs> of where I was literally holding my dad's hand as he was dying in the hospital praying, God, bring him back. You're a miracle-working God. And God didn't do it. And I don't want to have an answer to that question, but you know what I look back on? God sometimes comes through on earth, but he always comes through in heaven. And I know I'm going to see my dad again because the world cannot hurt me with death and physical pain and, and just terrible tragedy. Because they didn't give me my hope. Heaven did. And so it can't hurt me. And isn't it interesting in Jesus with his disciples, they're going through a difficult season, right? Like what's going on is, is Jesus is getting so popular that it's making the Roman Empire and the religious leaders like really angry and they want to kill him and they want to kill anyone associated with him. And so they're going through a very difficult time. They're going through a hard season. They don't know what to do. They are in the thick of it with a threat of death right in front of them. And Jesus looks at them and he doesn't say, hey, it's all going to be okay here on earth. Here's what he says in John 14, 1 through 3. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room here, not here on earth, 
There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? See, Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, I wish I had some hope to give you from this situation right now that it's all gonna be okay, but it might not. It might be the hardest thing that you're ever going to go through, disciples. But Jesus says, you know what? I'm going ahead of you, though. I'm going to God's house. I'm gonna prepare a place for you so when you're going through the difficult and hardest things you've ever gone through, you don't have to look down and depressed and sad or look around at all the things that are going wrong. You can look up to heaven and realize there is a God who is responding, who is preparing a place, who is doing something for you. And if I don't know what deserves your worship, if that you think doesn't deserve your worship, then there's going to be a lot of heartache in your life. God's worthy of worship. He wants our worship. And it is the only thing that can keep us going. If we can clap and be excited about it because we need it. And here's what I know. God is looking, the last one, God is looking for worshipers. God is looking for worshipers. John 4, 23, Jesus is talking to a woman at the well, and he says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. I use myself as an example, not to say look at me, but hey, here's why I do this, and here's why the worship team does it. We aren't jumping up and down and lifting our hands just to check a box. We're doing it because we know God is looking. And we want to fill ourselves with the presence of God. We want to know that he is here in this place. When Jesus says, God is, the Father is looking for someone who worships him in spirit and in truth, what he means is, what does in spirit mean? It means that I'm worshiping in the fact that I cannot do anything to help myself right now. And I'm worshiping in spirit because I know God is bigger, he is separate, he is apart from me, and because I can connect with him, I have strength that is supernatural, that is miraculous, and that I cannot gain on my own. What does in truth mean? It means that it's true. <laughs> Pretty easy. It's true. You cannot change it. You cannot deny it. So as we close today, here's what I want to give you. As we close in worship, and I would, as I give these things, we're just going to close like we normally do with like a 60-second song tag, but I would encourage you, come back tonight. For worship night. Cancel your plans because this is important. This is going to change your life. It's going to impact you. Here's why. Because my worship response should be what Jesus says in Mark 12, 30. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So what should my worship response be? Number one is I should assume the posture. Remember how I said before, uh, I was working out this week with some friends from church, and he's actually right there, the guy I work out with. <laughs> and and, I, was, and I, was, I was working out, doing the wrong form, and Seneca kept running over to me, hey, that's not the right form. You're, you're, you're not doing it right. You're not getting the most out of the workout. You're doing your legs too much. This is a back workout. Come on, come on, come on. Assume the right posture because you're doing more harm than good. There's a right way to do things. Can I tell you that? There's a right way and a wrong way to worship. Not trying to get religious on you, I'm just telling you. This is a wrong way to worship. You'll never find breakthrough right here. Because God sees this posture, he's like, okay, well, let's move on to the next person. I would say even this. And I'm not talking about comfortable things. You may say, well, Ryan, that's just not my thing. That's okay, it is a kingdom thing. And kingdom things are better than our things. So why don't we just do it? The posture is this list I'm about to give you. 
that we should, these are Hebrew words that you find in scripture meaning praise and worship. Hallel, rave, boast, celebrate. Come on, it's a celebration that we're experiencing God together. That first song is not just to clap and get excited, it's realizing God deserves our celebration because we're alive today because of him. We need some yada, not just yada, yada, yada from Seinfeld, but some yada that we're acknowledging him in public. That yes, God is good and I cannot believe he's so great and I get to know him. Barak, that we bless him by kneeling and bowing down. Zamar, our friends back here, making music to God with strings and drums and keys. Shabbat, to address in a loud tone. Sometimes your worship needs to get loud because guess what, your problems are loud. So maybe your worship needs to be a little louder than your problems. Tauda, we lift hands in adoration. I am, if I can give God this, well, I'm not gonna be satisfied with this. This is for my personal time. But Sundays, together, worship night, woo! I can't give God any less. And then to heal the last one, exuberant singing. Doesn't say exuberant good singing. <laughs> it just says exuberant singing. Let me challenge the men in here because I just feel like worship is hard for men sometimes. If I were to take you to a Bucks game after today, we would go to a Lightning game together. We would go to hang out with the bros. And your excitement and your energy is easily all of these things with them, but not in the presence of God. Something's messed up and something's wrong. Women, you're not off the hook either, but I just know men. You know, that, that's kind of something that we like. Yes. I'm worshiping for not only me, I'm worshiping for my wife. I'm worshiping for my family. And I know I need God to touch them and be with them. So you are going to be sure that I am going to be lifting my hands and shouting with some manly shouts that God is good and he is great. I'm going to assume the posture. Come on, if you think that's good, give, give some, give some, uh, some Barak right there, Barak right there, some uh, Shabak right there, shouting. Next one is this, I'm gonna acknowledge the presence. I'm closing right here. One more point after this, but I'm gonna acknowledge the presence. This one's simple. The presence of God is here in this place. I mean, that's it. That's why I encourage you, hey, come a little bit early and get ready for the presence of God. It's, don't, don't rush out at the end of service. Linger, hang, because the presence of God is not just when the music stops. The presence of God is here after service as well. When the prayer team's up here, when you're connecting with a relationship with someone who could change your life forever. Knowledge that this matters and this is the most important thing and valuable thing of my week and of my life. The third thing is abandon everything else. My fear is that we would go Sunday to Sunday to Sunday and never truly worship. When do you truly worship? When you truly abandon and surrender yourself to everything else, from everything else. Like, like worship is not, yes, God, you're good. Oh, wait, I got that meeting thing tomorrow. Worship is, I don't care about that meeting. I don't care about that problem. I don't care about my lunch plans for a few minutes. I'm all about God right now and I'm abandoning everything else. Let me give you two stories as we close. They'll be real quick. There was just a study done with, with children when it came to um, assessments and tests. And what they did was that they gave all the children a test and they weren't really worried about measuring the first test. What they were gonna measure is how they talked to the children after the test. And so one group, one sample group, they were gonna say, hey, you're so loved, we're so, we're so proud of you, you're so awesome, you're the best student, yeah. Like, and one group was, hey, you did a great job, keep going. Don't give up on the second test that we're about to give you, keep going, don't give up, don't stop, keep pressing in, keep moving forward, you're, you're gonna do a great job. 
And they realized that what they found is that in that second assessment, the kids that got the, you're great, you're awesome, did about the same. The kids that got the, keep going, you're doing a great job, we believe in you, did almost twice as better as they did the first time. See, worship is not just about God saying, I love you, you're great. It's actually even more about God looking at you and saying, hey, it's hard, I know, but keep going. It's difficult, you feel like giving up, but don't give up yet. Because I'm with you. I'm, I'm made, you're made for me. So I'm, you got the breath of God inside of you. And I'm walking with you. And you were made to worship. So you're doing the exact thing that you were created to do. And so why don't you keep stepping forward? Why don't you abandon everything else? And here's a historical for it, story for you. You ever heard the worship song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? Here's where it was written from. It was written by a man who was saved by some missionaries. What I mean by saved is he was introduced to Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. His family gave their life to Jesus. But they were a part of a very violent headhunting tribe out in India. And when the chief found out that this family had forsaken all their tribal beliefs and given their life to this guy named Jesus, he brought him in front of the tribe and said, you better deny what you just said you believe or you are going to die. Man said, I've decided to follow Jesus. In that moment, the, the tribal chief ordered that man's wife to be killed in front of him. And he sees that happen, and in immense heart, heartache and heartbreak, he says, though, though none go with me, I still will follow Jesus. And at that instance, the chief says that his children will be killed in front of him, and that happens. And with tears in his eyes, he says, The cross before me world behind me. I still will follow Jesus. And the chief takes that man's life. But something interesting happens. This family has been killed in front of the entire tribe, and the chief, in a moment, right after he orders the man to die for believing in Jesus, it's a moment where God grabs a hold of him because of this man's worship and testimony and says, this man just died for whatever it was he believed in. For a man that he says died for him a few thousand years ago and rose from the grave, if that's true, I gotta have a taste of it. And that chief found the missionaries that saved this man, and the chief gives his life to Jesus, and this whole tribe eventually gives their life to Jesus, not just because some faithful missionaries went, because one man said, despite the fact that you may kill me and kill my family, I am still going to lift my hands and worship. Could it be local city that we would be a group of people that come hell or high water, I am going to follow Jesus and worship him, not for my own sake, but for those who may come behind me as I follow him. It's hard, it's heavy, but what else is worth living for if not worshiping our king, abandoning everything else and realizing my life is created to worship God. Do you believe that today? Local City, come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.